Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Xbox 12360. Featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your hosts, Sean, Xbox, Wolfman. Welcome to Xbox 12360, everyone. I'm your host, Sean Wolfman, aka Xbox. Yeah. Hope everyone's been having a wonderful week. Um, we have on the line right now, actually, actually Skyped in, um, joining us from Chicago, Illinois with WrestleZone.com. We have Nick Houseman and Ross Berman, and they're going to, we're going to, um, we're going to talk to them about their excellent coverage of the CM Punk Cole Cabana, Dr. Aman trial. Hey fellas. Hi, Sean. Howdy. How's it going? Hey, I just I already introduced you guys. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome um, back. I, I appreciate you coming on uh, last minute, Nick. And I want to, uh, I want, I just want to compliment you on your coverage of the trial. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much, Sean. Um, you probably know that I am not typically a courtroom journalist. <laughs> this is uh, this was kind of a little outside my wheelhouse. Um, Last week, there was a guy who works for the Tribune, Greg Pratt. Yeah. Uh, Pratt, right? I got it yeah, right. Yeah, Pratt. Greg Pratt. Sweet. I kept calling him Platt for a while. Pratt. <laughs> uh, um, he, he tweeted out that he was uh, – he, he, like, popped his head in for the opening day, and there was nobody there. There was no press there. And that sounded like a crying shame to me. So uh, I uh, stumbled in the first day uh, with some advice from Greg, did my best to cover the event, realized it was doing such huge traffic – and that we needed to continue to be in that courtroom uh, to provide uh, the details of what happened in this case. And so uh, Ross Berman took over for the next four days. I kind of just came back for the last day. Uh, um, so Ross, you know, as much as I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it and I'm, I'm happy to set the ball in motion, I, got, I have to give Ross a lot of credit for doing the, the bulk of the actual work covering the trial. Hats Thank off. You. Hats yeah. off to you, Ross. Thank, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. It was uh, it it was a very surreal experience. It's uh, a I gotta believe once in a lifetime kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's here's the thing. I haven't really talked about the trial, or there's certain things that I I usually try to avoid on on my show here, uh, just because of my relationship with WWE. But man, it's really hard not to talk about these things when everyone's talking about them, and it's and it's not and and it's not fair. Uh, I I don't think it's fair of, of WWE to expect me not to talk about it. So um, and 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 the thing about it that that really sucks, um, it, you know, when 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 lawsuits happen like this in, in wrestling, like it it makes it hard because like you know, oh geez, am I going to get heat for being friends with this person or or even in like the concussion lawsuit, mm. you know, that's that's like a class action suit and has all these people attached to it, and it's like. 
even like the, some of these people want to have guests on my show, and I'm like, oh, geez, do you have to worry about getting heat for having them as guests on my show? You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely agree. And for that reason, we intentionally tried to cover this trial as straight as possible. Yeah. Mm. We didn't want to sensationalize it. You yeah, know? Absolutely not. Um, because we knew from a historical perspective that what we were capturing is something that was going to be talked about for a long, long time. You know, we just we had to be in the room to do it. And so we did. But we didn't try to sensationalize it. We could have been outside the courtroom every day getting photos and videos of these guys and, you know, building a real circus uh, environment around it. But, you know, like you brought up, we're, we're dealing with two sides that have opinions. You know, you got WWE, who I would like to maintain my relationship with them. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, uh, we at WrestleZone do have a pretty good relationship with them. Uh, you know, the front office has been very kind to us over the years. Uh, but then I have CM Punk and Colt Cabana here who are, you know, very known pro wrestling figures. And this has really had a three-year build. Yeah. So, you, you know, we're in Chicago. I don't really know how we – I don't – I don't know how we could stay away from it. You no, know, exactly. I, it we'd was, be bad journalists. That's why I called it kind of once in a lifetime kind of stuff because it really, it was. I was in the right place at the right time. Both my parents are lawyers, so I, I had the right background to not be too much of a fish out of water. Although it did feel a lot of the times like an episode of or like a scene from Forrest Gump. Um, it was, it was very it, because I was the only one there for a majority of the coverage. It, there was no room to editorialize, and so what you got was just warts and all, play by play, blow mm. by blow, question by question. Uh, yeah, what happened in the courtroom? And and I was uh, we were talking to another friend last night, kind of reminiscing on what we did. And if you look at the way we covered it, I feel like we actually covered a court case like pro wrestling journalists would cover a court case, <laughs> which is we did play by play, yes. right? Yeah. We just wrote out move by move what we saw happening, just like we would cover Raw or Money in the Bank or whatever, you know? It was, it was pretty much like it was a pay-per-view that no one bought. You were just giving, yeah. you're just giving us a recap. Yeah, absolutely. And it was cool too, you know, I guess when people think about, because there were no photos, right? No, I mean, you weren't allowed any photos, no phones, no, it was all handwritten notes. And we thought about, we actually toyed with the idea of bringing a sketch artist in we actually reached out to a couple friends that could do it but they were busy probably that's my biggest regret of this oh absolutely if i could have gotten a sketch of uh colt cabana identifying cm punk's camo shorts in front of a courtroom filled with eighth graders that are just there (laughs) on their like end of school school year trip uh that would have been that would have been an image that's an image that i i just wish everyone could have been a part of but Sorry, I, I mean to interrupt, but I'm just curious how how in the hell did uh, did CM Punk and 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 Cole Cabana manage to get this thing uh, uh, this trial to be held in Chicago? Well, it's because I I'm pretty sure, and Ross has better legal background than me. Oh no, his parents are lawyers. That's better than me. So. Is it because the, is it because the podcast was taped in Chicago? Yes. yes, that's okay. what I believe it is. So they had to bring it to Chicago because that's where it was published and, and recorded. Hometown dis- hometown advantage. Because there's not an internet court For yet. the Second City Saints. <laughs> I, it, it's weird because, like, so what I was getting at was nobody really saw inside this courtroom. And so I think everybody kind of in their head has this different vision yeah. of what it looked like in there. Yep. And it really was a small room. There was, like, two rows of, like, pews, like in a church, right, that yeah. we would sit in as the press area. And it was really just us there. And then you've got a front row seat to like a tight space. Colt had his table with his three lawyers. Punk had his table with their three lawyers. 
And then Amon was over there with his three lawyers. And then you got 12 jurors right across the room and then a, a judge right there in the middle. Very intimate, very, yeah. very intimate space we were in in there. And uh, to your point about the hometown advantage, uh, the jurors, yep. after the trial was over, there's this – you've been to – you have you been on trial? I know you've had legal issues, Yes. Sean. <laughs> yeah. On trial. So okay. you know at the yes. end when they do like the, the – the, I don't know how to put it, like the end of the baseball game wherever the legal team and the jury are all shaking hands going, good trial, good, good trial, game. good <laughs> Spat each other in the ass. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. Weirdest thing. I didn't know they did this. It was so bizarre to me. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, so after they do that, uh, the, all of the jury wanted to talk to CM Punk and Colt Cabana. They wanted pictures. They wanted to, you know, share <laughs> wow, their stories. And watch Crusher on St. Louis TV and stuff like that. It was very. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's. Uh, yeah. CM Punk is still a very popular man. Yeah. Hey, so, AK, fellas. So, give me. Did you see uh, Doctor Amon? I see. I'm getting depressed. I'm sure he's not a bad man. Like you know, uh, he's probably a decent human being. Uh, Seems like how and and like getting thrown into the wrestling industry, you know, and then like all of a sudden being in the middle of you know this kind of thing. I mean, and then you know, I bet you he went into this thing thinking he was going to win. So yeah. what was his reaction when he walked out of the courtroom? Well, I don't want to pretend I know what his motives were in this case, right? You know, no. I don't know if he knew he was going to win or whatever the, the situation may be. But, I mean, he put a lot of himself out there. Yeah. I will say this. What, he definitely was exceptionally transparent. We saw a lot of personal text messages, emails from him. And, you know... To us, I mean, he was nice to us. Everybody. No, yeah, this, he mm. seems like a very decent guy. He seems yeah. he's he, uh, he even his lawyers brought it up. He's just he's not the kind of extroverted personality that Cabana and Punk are, but he's otherwise a very decent guy. He seems to be a, a pretty pretty good doctor. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak to. Look, I've never been treated by the guy, but he didn't seem like a he didn't seem like a bad guy. He didn't seem like a bad guy, and it was like you know when I was out in the hallway, we're all waiting and stuff. He would like he came over, he talked to you, he said he knew your name, which was yeah, no, he I, knew Ross, didn't know me, but I <laughs> got to chat with him. He was really nice. Um, I'm but very it, fair. What can I say? I will, uh, <laughs> no, you're good. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm no, just, I, I was done. I'm such a jag. I've never. No, no, go, go, go. All right. Anyway, I wanted to say that the only kind of damning. Thing I think that came out of this, and I don't even necessarily know that this was exactly his fault, but had to be the medical history paperwork. Yeah, the medical history any. paperwork or is. Lack of. Well, it exists. There's just nothing written on. Yeah, it. no, gotcha. like they so, don't take any notes or anything like that. But that does. That's not Amon. That is a systemic thing from what it, from what even Punk and uh, Cabana made it sound like. So no one, no one is saying that the faulty medical records that were provided by WWE for this case are the fault of Amon. They're just the fault of some kind of systemic issue that might be happening in the record keeping of WWE. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to go on a limb and say not just WWE. I, 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 that happens all over the place in the sports medicine and, field, and, I'm sure. Yes, and and here's the thing, fellas: when we're talking about uh, medications that aren't controlled substances, they do get handed out like candy a lot of times. Absolutely, you know? I believe. Yeah. yeah, and because I mean, it's a huge pain in the ass, like to go like, okay, hey, I need a uh, I need a Medrol dose pack or a Z pack, like, gee, like it's. They're not going to get you high. They're not going to kill you. Like, why do I really got to jump through a million hoops to get it? So, I, I like, I understand why those things happen. 
Well, exactly, and it's it's a case where it doesn't necessarily make Eamon a, a bad guy. Right. It just means that he doesn't have to take notes, and if he doesn't have to take notes, he doesn't have to take notes. It just doesn't mean it's going to help his case in this specific one. Because yeah. that was that was one of the problems where you're trying to prove Eamon is a good attorney when, or a good uh, doctor when he has no notes that he has written down, and right. so. Mm. It's it's one of those it's one of those cases where again it's the systemic thing more than it is the actual person at fault, which was yeah. unfortunate for Eamon because the whole crux of the case was that he needed to prove he needed to prove that he didn't know about the lump, and exactly. there was no possible way he could without any notes. That was their whole case. Was there was no lump? The lump did not exist. Oh, the lump! The lump was the size of a quarter. The lump was oh, God, the size this is of so a golf much fun. Lump. It was a small fruit. <laughs> it was <laughs> hold half an egg up to the lump to measure it. I came to the most carny day, the closing day. <laughs> the biggest where you know all these balls up on the whatever this. He was he was practically juggling. It was so well, many Nick, in your interview with Cole Cabana, he seemed pretty confident that he was that you know that they were going to win throughout the entire trial. For you, you know, for you and Ross that were both there and watching it from an outsider's perspective with nothing on the line, did you at any point think, hey, you know, maybe Punk might lose this, or was there any sort of moment? Oh, it went back and forth. Mm. I mean, up until the last day, up mm-hmm. until deliberation started. I, I really kind of thought it could go either way. In the end, it sounds like it was pretty one-sided from the jury, but there were. it's not that Amon's side didn't have bad cases to make. The problem was, you know, you're, you're trying to put a monetary amount on damages. And at the end of the day, when you look at, okay, the guy didn't lose his job, the guy didn't have any outside patients that were affected by this, there was really no ramifications on Amon's life, no. like financially. So how do you justify you know, paying a dollar a stream, which is what they wound up asking for. So it came out to about $4 million, which I think would have been a piece. I don't know if they split that. Yeah, that's what it made it sound like if they were asking about $8 million. I think it's per dollar from each of them. Listen, fellas, this, uh, that podcast, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, gave Dr. Amont a really bad case of hurt filioma. (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) yeah. Hey, punitive damages are in order. Yeah, it was, you know, and that's the thing is it almost I think that I think that a monster maybe have done a disservice by putting that high of a price tag in mm. the end, right? That like, was yes. going to be my question. They had asked for like a symbolic amount as opposed to like an actual amount that could cripple someone. It would have been different. I think the jury would have been a little more responsive. 50 grand, something um, like that. Now, granted, you know. they were making a defamation per se case, which uh-huh. means they don't need to prove monetary damages. But I, that doesn't necessarily make the case stronger with the jury. It just makes it easier for that case to be made to go to trial trial at all because i think you know when you got 12 jurors there that are you know normal human beings right not eccentric you know millionaires or anything like that and you're looking at them and you're saying this person said something this other guy doesn't like so he should get eight million dollars how do you not put yourself in that in those shoes where it's like well maybe one day i could get caught in mm-hmm. a similar situation are they going to take are they going to take everything from me I, I i really do think that the the value they were looking for uh probably hurt their case in the end and it was based on it was based on numbers that like okay uh three million downloads doesn't mean like i don't think those numbers are accurate i think that podcast did way better than that too yeah but like that's like when when those numbers like there it's just like the 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 metric has changed on how you of course on, on how the on how uh podcasts are viewed and and like 
I'm willing to bet that not nearly that many as many people saw it as they're trying to claim. Uh, 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 well, I'm on. Like it's, I mean, a ton of people listen to it. I, I know that, but mm-hmm. like it's, it's to, to prove that it was that many is almost impossible. Also, his name is only mentioned all in the I'm podcast saying. once, and I know and it wasn't even in the context that he was sued over this week. Yeah. Yep. No, that's absolutely right. And I think, I think a lot of that really factored into it. That was why the defense kind of brought up in their closing argument, "What is your reputation worth to the Mike Latorises of the world?" Because that's <laughs> that's the name. That's the, those are the people that were really ultimately harassing Dr. Amen during this time. Can, can we point – here's – got to bring something up. Now, yes. we were, we're writing this up every day. Jury can't read what we're writing, but the legal teams can. Yes, they can. The legal teams were definitely keeping track of, of our coverage, and I think that's why they settled on the Mike Latouris name because I wrote in my, my notes the first day that it got a laugh from the room. Yep. And all of a sudden, <laughs> that's the one they kept bringing up over and over again, which and- made me laugh. And do you, did they not get it? No, they all got it. Yeah. But that's the okay. thing is it was like there was like a relatability about it where oh, okay. it was like an easy label or a name you could put on like an overarching trollish Twitter community. You know, everybody gotcha. remembers Mike Litteris now. You know, <laughs> yep. that's, that's one of the dozens and dozens of Twitter names they put out there that they all kind of settled on. We're going to keep using this one over and over. Yeah, and it just it really did make it. It, it, it came down to a case of do you. Uh, do you take someone seriously all the time or not? And yeah. ultimately, the jury said no. There are some times where people are just exaggerating. You know what I mean? Now I gotta, I gotta also, I'll reveal something here on your show, Sean, about our <laughs> coverage that I haven't revealed yet. Um, so I almost got, yeah, I almost got somebody in trouble. I guess. Yes, with, you did with my notes. Um, so on the first, the day I was there, the day I did the the play by play. There was this candy dish right in front of the jury, okay? And the jury kept taking candy, and when they do sidebars, Punk and Cabana went over. Punk was eating the candy up. He loved the candy. Kept going and getting mints, right? So Punk goes over at one point where all the lawyers and the judge are out of the room, and they're doing a sidebar. Gets a couple mints, right? And he walks back to Cabana. He's like, you want a mint? Cabana gets a mint. And he goes, anybody else want a mint? And I was like, I'll have a mint. Punk gave me a mint, right? Cabana heard I wanted a mint. He turned around and threw me his mint. Then I had two mints, right? <laughs> so I took one of the mints and I gave it to the guy behind me so we could each have a mint, you know? And I wrote that into my notes because I thought it was so funny, right? I was just writing down things that happened. I guess the, the judge um, or bailiff or whoever told uh, Caban and Punk that they had heard of, that they were giving candy to the press or whatever. And <laughs> were like, oh, jeez, no. shit. <laughs> You shouldn't be doing that, right? Nobody got – it was like a slap on the wrist. didn't affect the trial or anything. But I do guess the can, the candy incident, yeah. as I've referred to it now, uh, nearly – Almost got, caused a mistrial. <laughs> <laughs> you almost compromised us, Nick. Well, I'm really glad that we kept such objective, straight journalism going. It didn't it, sensationalize it. It's, the candy incident it's, gotten out really, of it's really easy to buy you two off. Well, at least you, Nick. Well, at least you had it uh, in your notes to prove – Pretty cheap. I can't lie. My my the WWE doctor should hire me to do their medical reports. You know. Hey, so fellas, what's your takeaway from this? Like, okay, what are the implications? Are or are there any when it comes to like podcasting and what can be said or or you know things like that? No, I think I think this has a huge effect on the podcasting community, whether they were paying attention to it uh, or not. They ultimately. Had Eamon's attorneys been able to win this case with the exact case they were presenting, it would have set a precedent that would have allowed anyone to just cut a swath 
through the podcasting world. If you heard something that you don't like, boom, that person's in court because it's it's been done before and it's been won. But now that this uh, case has been shot down, podcasting is much safer because not only uh, can no one uh, bring no, – not only is there precedent that this case is lost, but that precedent makes it harder to bring a case like this to trial in the future. And so it's it's – Everyone should be breathing a sigh of relief if you've got a microphone and are talking about wrestling right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, I totally agree with that. I also, uh, when we were we were talking about this very same thing, you know, what is the effect of this trial? Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see another case brought up, um, probably not with the same players, but uh, where, where the damages are somebody lost a job, right? Yes. Or, or a wife or whatever over comment. You, I think I think that this was probably just not the strongest case for the argument that they were that the plaintiff was really trying to make, like Amon's case isn't unreasonable, but he didn't lose anything other mm-hmm. than you know the the hurt feelings thing. I also do think that there's a chance that we will see a couple uh, probably older wrestlers uh, jump on some of the medical discoveries in this case mm-hmm. and try to maybe put together other uh, cases not involving defamation but involving uh, treatment by WWE mm-hmm. because uh, whether it was. Uh, I probably unintentional. There were a lot of things revealed about the way that wrestlers get treated in WWE. And I, I could see, you know, now that that evidence has been entered into court, other people probably trying to use that to create other cases would, mm-hmm. would be my guess. Some, I mean, some of these text messages involve wrestlers that are currently on the roster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is it, the, the roots are going to grow deep with this case. Probably. It's, yeah, this was, this was, I think this, I think this was the first, uh, case in what will maybe be a series of similar cases or cases surrounding it. I don't think this will be the end of the line for the arguments that were being made here or the facts that were discovered. I was actually explaining this case to a non-wrestling fan and like the details that were being discussed. And one of their first questions was, "So they're countersuing for malpractice, right?" And like, oh. and the and my answer was like, "No, they just they just want to not get sued. Like they they want yep. to win their suit as yeah. the defense. Like they're not countersuing for anything." And like. There seems to be grounds. Of the uh, here's the thing about all that. Uh, these these two individuals' lives have been turned upside down by uh, being in, in in the middle of a lawsuit. Regardless of whether you, what of regardless of whether you're on the plaintiff or mm-hmm. or the defendant side, uh, you know it, it is incredibly stressful. And to seek to seek out some kind of damages mm. like that is just putting yourself through more shit. And I, 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 unless you absolutely have to, I recommend against it. Now I want to ask you, Sean, and we can get back to the case here because there are other aspects of the case that, that we can still discuss. But you know, you've obviously watched the company grow over the past twenty years. I've talked with you uh, in our upcoming Road Trip Wrestling documentary feature that'll be coming out uh, about you know how you handled different injuries back in the day. Yeah. Now, we're 20 years later. I mean, talk about the advances you've seen in WWE since 20 years ago. What's different now versus what was what was then? It's 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 hard for me to give you a um you know, a, a completely accurate uh, uh picture of how it is now. Okay. But uh, from from what I see, it's 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 like years it's like years from when I was there, and in in the you know late nineties, uh, up into two thousand and two, and by two thousand and two, they were light years ahead of when I first started there in ninety three. 
uh, I don't know how else to describe it other than they have made a ton of progress no, when right. it comes okay. to taking care of guys. And I've like honestly, for the most part, I can't I can't remember ever not being a hundred percent taken care of by them. Okay, and and I will I will also say that. We- we talked to, I had a couple people over last night. We had like a post trial celebration last night, which was weird. What a weird thing to celebrate. But anyway, they brought up how, um, uh, the, uh, Oh, I had a thought there. I had a thought and then I lost it. The doctor. Oh, yep, man. I got all, I got all excited. Thinking I, about do that all, I do that a lot. It's just <laughs> I, that I can edit Dr. it out. Amon or Patrick Duffy, which, which doctor <laughs> we'll get back there. He's not a doctor. We've no. confirmed oh, that. Sorry, Patrick Duffy. Physician's assistant. I've got it. My thought is back. He's, he asked why the, why the wrestlers, uh, were having to listen to this one doctor, why they weren't going to their own doctors and getting treatment. If there were issues and things like that, which is when the conversation rolled over, why are wrestlers not insured, right? Mm. And that, I feel like, is another discussion coming out of this because I feel like, you know, symptoms and things that Punk was going through or other wrestlers are going through, if they had a chance to go to their own doctor and build that relationship and get themselves treated, they would maybe feel more comfortable and, and break mm. down less. Not to question okay. doctor, but having your own is, hey. is a special relationship. So, so if, that, if that injury or sickness is, is related to something that happened working for WWE, they are insured and covered. Okay. Oh, okay. Through so the they have insurance plan. Absolutely. Now that uh, most of the guys working there are mm-hmm. making enough money, and I know this might not be popular to say, but they're making enough money. And I was when I was working there, even that when I was making the the, the least amount of money uh, you could make around there, I had enough money to buy my own health insurance, fellas. And gotcha. and I had and and I had the wherewithal. To start my own retirement account, IRA, and all that shit. So, uh, you know, guys can can get their own health insurance for their own pro- for their family and all that. They have the means to do that. If they don't do it, that's their own pro- that's their own fault. A lot of it, a lot of the time. So my question is, why didn't Punk have his own? Because Ross, maybe you can tell. You listened to his testimony. Well, why now, did Punk have his own insurance? Well, because and I will mention that the both Duffy visits. The uh, I believe the first one was. To uh, February 13th, and then the other one was in March. Neither of those times was he working for WWE. He walked out on the 27th of, uh, of mm-hmm. January of that year. So that might be a reason for it. He does go on record that he turned down a staff culture because he didn't want to pay for it out of pocket. But like I said, he's not working for WWE at the t- I mean, he is technically contracted to WWE, but he has walked out, which I believe would mean he's not exactly getting the insurance that they might be giving to people getting hurt in the ring. And so... No, uh, it would have been covered. I'm willing to to bet it would have been covered. Okay. Okay, but I mean, both Duffy and... He's under contract. ...go on on record that he he turned it down because he didn't have insurance. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not there. I don't know, but it just... Mm -hmm. eh. When I I left WWE in 2002, I was still using their insurance a, a year and a half later. Okay. And were you going to just get general checkups and stuff, or yeah, was it only related certain, to injury? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was injury stuff. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, for uh, bronchitis or whatever, but I was still using it. Okay. okay. So it wasn't full coverage, but it was related to it stuff. It was in the full room. coverage, 
It was full coverage of whatever injuries, like whatever I was dealing with that had to do with yeah, WWE. Which I think yeah. the crux of this case was that the lump didn't uh, was not w- a WWE injury. Yeah, and well, uh, for me, what I don't understand, and maybe you can declare, I don't know, maybe we've talked about this before, I'm not sure, but I don't know why wrestlers aren't SAG. I, I mean, yeah. wrestlers are Incredible on TV, not. Yeah. TV shows. Why? You, maybe you can tell me. But why don't they join on their own? I don't know that they can. I think yes, they have they to can. be like a movie. Can Absolutely. they apply just as a yes. WWE? As long as you've been in enough movies. I mean, they have WWE films, which I think you can use towards a SAG credit. You can use any of that towards a SAG credit. I believe you only need three vouchers and mm. you're eligible for SAG. But you, okay. If, but also if you're like... Or AFTRA. Or if you're a performer. If you're a performer you're and like you're a main roster performer, you could argue that that is the equivalent to a voucher. That you would actually like if you wanted to walk up to SAG after it and pay the month pay I think it's like six grand to join. Yes, they take your money and let you join. Absolutely, but what does SAG do to WWE? Do they hold them no. accountable to the standards? No, because what we're so why does it matter? It it would matter on other sets, and then if enough guys join SAG, they could possibly. There's talk over the Fox deal now of what would a SAG after contract with the WWE look like because. By my estimation, it's 934 a day as a performer, and then 934 a day as a stunt performer. So they would have to pay those guys 934 times two, so close to two grand each TV, which is okay. something which is something that they would have to readjust their payroll to do. Because right now, I think guys are making that annually, but that includes house shows and the 300 dates they're working. Yes, so like it yeah. would have to. They would have to have like a separate road schedule for TV and then house show and then like the, uh, everyone would get a pay bump in that under that scale. What would normally what would happen is they because I remember Disney there was a Disney deal where Disney would renegotiate a contract with SAG-AFTRA that circumvents a lot of the rules. So under that deal, they could come up come up with something under two grand a day, but it would still be more than they're paying anyone. And that goes for anyone on the roster, anyone who appears on television. Because and you could okay. argue someone who isn't in a build match but still on Raw, you would argue their background. The background is still something like one twenty eight for eight, or like mm. it like it's it's standard minimum wage plus meal breaks plus if you're that if you're a set of that size, you would have to have someone on set. Like it would be a mess. It would be a mess, not something they'd want to do. It would be something Fox would force them to so do. So it would be better for WWE to just make it their own and have their own insurance and have their own mm-hmm. kind of group than it, try and go the SAG way. You know, I got Absolutely. a lot of heat for just bringing up, hey, can we get some group medical? Not yeah. not even... Back in 2000? Early, a little bit earlier, but around that time. But not even talking about unionizing or anything. Just, hey, we can get cheaper medical if we all yeah, like, group together. That's how it's done. That was a little too close to union talk mm. around there. I got a little bit of heat. Is <laughs> <laughs> well, that I was politically connected? On television? I was about was to that say. The same? Yeah, I don't remember. Well, uh, what did you guys think of Amon's defenses? Because I know there was a moment during the trial where he was, I think he mentioned the fact that CM Punk was sort of trying to get back at him for ruining his WrestleMania match after what he did to him, um, what he said about him during the Royal Rumble. And then the fact that they were also kind of like, poking or making fun of AJ Lee being concerned about her husband. How did that all play out? Like to you guys that were there and to the jury. Um, I'll say, well, I was there when Amon testified. You were there when punk testified. Yep. So uh, I'll say that I, I think that Amon is genuine uh, when he, he says that he thinks that there's an ax being kind of grinded against him by, by punk and others. Um, but 
There might be. Mm. It's, it's yeah. still it still Does always it... felt like the doctors versus punk. It never felt personal. Mm-hmm. If that make it, it never felt like punk was just going after Amon. I feel like of the the spread shot of people that punk kind of was unhappy with. Amon is just the one who picked up the ball and said, "I'm going to do something about this." Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah and I, don't, I, also... I don't listen. I don't blame Punk at all if he was if he was miffed over you know missing down on on a WrestleMania opportunity because of of uh, a doctor's decision. Mm-hmm. I that I I totally get it. Yeah. It's not just. A, I mean, it's not. I mean, what did, what did Punk say? Yeah. Uh, well, no, Punk really did. Punk was never the one to bring up that he was mad that the uh, finish got changed. That was all from Carano. That was from oh, John okay. Cohn. That yeah. was that was mainly from the defenses side. Whereas uh, Punk mainly focused on the fact that in the podcast he was not acting as a court reporter. He was not acting as you know any kind of uh, anything more than someone just telling the story of their life. And right. so it right. didn't. The WrestleMania stuff didn't come up because I think the defense was trying to paint him as CM Punk, while as or the plaintiff was trying to paint him as CM Punk, while the defense was trying to paint him as Phil Brooks. And I think he he did a much. Uh, I I don't think he really played into the defense's uh, theory about WrestleMania in that way. And I think that it was also like a combo. Or the plaintiff's theory about WrestleMania. Mm. I'm sorry. I, it, it was kind of a combo for me of Punk being. Upset. I think he genuinely felt like he wasn't medically taken care of, which is its own argument. Right. And I think that he also felt he uh, was creatively not being handled appropriately. And I think that the two arguments kind of got melded together here. And uh, the medical side was easier to argue than the than the, the political one. Yeah, and gotcha. and Eamon's attorney was very he was very skilled. That was kind of why it was so back and forth is because the way the way that both attorneys were presenting, you would you'd watch Eamon's attorney go and you'd go, well, you know, he's got some points. And then yeah. uh, uh, Punk's attorney would go and, she, you know, you'd think, yeah, you know, she's got some points. And then yeah. Colt's attorney would usually sit it out and just wait until closing arguments. I loved Colt's attorney. Uh, it's <laughs> his, la- attorney it's his last trial and he knew exactly uh, how to play Colt's defense and so he just kind of steered the ship right through troubled waters. The, the yeah. Even even just saying, you know, I have I have no questions on defense. I have no questions on uh, plaintiff side either. Yeah, because cause Amon, Amon's lawyer was very good. He was very engaged. He was always objecting to things, which I think is good law stuff. Yeah, he, he, he kept you derailing uh, Punk's attorney's line of questioning at every stop. And and at the end, though, he gave this, like, 90-minute closing argument that was just – I mean, it was good. There was a lot of good substance there, framed it really well, the effect that it – you know, this podcast it had on Amon – but it was just so long. You know, it was very long. Then you had Punks, who his lawyer was good. She went like 30, 45. Then you had Cabanas, who was just, <laughs> he just got up there and he was like, I have 10 points I want to make. Yep. Here, are, here they are. And he laid them out and then he just went and sat down. And he I was even like, said, bottom line, you can't hold him accountable. And it's right. like, thank you. You have done <laughs> yep. this in a concise fashion. And I, I think I think the defense did a better job of talking to the jury than uh, Eamon's attorney did because – Ultimately, this jury is is like punk. They come from the suburbs. They come from uh, they they they've grown up in Chicago and they have not lived the very idyllic, uh, very privileged life that Eamon has lived. And yeah. so the defense made a very good point that when you've lived that kind of life, any bump in the road can feel like a seven million dollar lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I think true. that that really kind of brought it brought it home for everybody. Hey, okay, so is there anything anybody wants to I was, ask or add to this before we take a uh, break? I was curious, 
Were there any fans there? Like, you mm. always see people at the airport hounding people for autographs and knowing they're going to be there, so they're waiting. Were there fans just piled outside of the courtroom waiting to try and get selfies or autographs from Colt or Punk? I had one guy send me a Twitter message that was – and he, he just said that uh, I was in the courtroom sitting next to you. I didn't want to say anything and make it weird or something like that. Nice guy. I remember who he was. He was dressed very nice in court. So – there was that guy, but he was very polite and did not give me the impression of being a fan, even though I guess he was. And there were also fan. There were just lawyers, uh, law students, uh, attorneys on break that would walk in. There were even some that would show up because they were like fans of Eamon's attorney. I guess he's like an attorney's attorney. It, the partner <laughs> of the law firm. Attorney on group. He's at the. <laughs> Well, no, Damn there were. Uh, I mean, even even Greg Pratt kind of spoke about Eamon's attorney like he was. Uh, he he was definitely a known presence in City Hall. He was someone that would definitely have have fellow lawyers saying, hmm, "Your work is interesting." I, I definitely. By the way, I know we're going to break. I definitely have one or two thoughts I'd like to to hit on after yes, we get please. back. Break. All so. right, hey, um, we'll be right back in a second. I'm going to take some time to talk about our sponsor, Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's vision care for the 21st century. Instead of heading to the doctor every single year to renew your prescription for something you wear every day, take a few minutes out of your day to do it on your own time and terms. Need to renew your prescription? Take a five-minute vision test from your phone or computer. It's reviewed by a licensed doctor. You receive a renewed prescription and reorder your contacts. All you need is your current contacts, an internet connection, and 10 feet of space. Have an unexpired prescription? Just upload a photo of your doctor's information and order your lenses. There are a million things demanding your time. Contact lenses shouldn't be one of them. With Simple Contacts, you can renew your prescription and reorder your contacts from anywhere in minutes. No more doctor's offices or waiting rooms. Please note, this isn't a replacement of your periodic full eye health exam. The vision test is only $20, folks. Compare that with an appointment, which without insurance could be, I don't know, over $200 or more. The contact lens price are unbeatable. Standard shipping is free. And best of all, we're offering a promotion to our listeners. Get $30 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash xpoc or enter code xpoc at checkout. That's $30 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash xpoc or enter code xpoc at checkout. Hey, xpoc12360 fans, visit prowrestlingtees.com slash Sean Waltman. That's the only place to grab shirts with the xpoc12360 logo, Wolfpack, or many other designs. If you pick up a shirt, make sure to tweet us using the hashtag xpoc12360. Thanks for supporting the show. Now let's get back to it. All right, Nick, we're back. So uh, uh, I hope you hope you have those thoughts still in your head that you wanted to share with us. I did. They didn't lose them like before. They're right here. I promise. <laughs> Um, the two things I want to bring up. Well, first is obviously Punk has a fight this Saturday night. Yes. You know, um, I wanted your take on how you think that this trial has affected him in, in training. I would think that it's got to be living hell, getting the crap kicked out of you every night in an MMA camp, and then having to go be in court all day. I'm just I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's absolutely impossible to focus on your on your training when you have a, when you have a, um, a trial going on. Yeah, you I can't imagine this... how it doesn't seriously affect your training. So you think that this is this is going to negatively affect his fight? Do you think his odds are worse because of the trial? Yes, I do. Huh? Yes. 
I don't know. I, I do. <laughs> Trust me. Yes, man. Well, speaking to him, what was the mental state that you got that he was in? What was the vibe? Like, did, when seeing him and talking to him, you're like, okay, this guy's ready to go. The second he leaves, he's going to do it. You need to get back to training. Or were you kind of like, oh, I don't know if he's going to you know, get back on it? Funny you should ask that. So we were sitting right behind him. Like, again, we're like five feet away from these guys the whole time. He gets the verdict that he's won, right? Then the jury gets up to go sign some paperwork with the judge and everybody. And so it's just like a mon's It's all the lawyers and the defendants and the plaintiffs. And Punk's yeah. sitting there and AJ's hugging him and they're crying. And uh, Punk like cleans up and he sits up and he turns around and he looks at his lawyer and he goes, I want to hit something. I need to get <laughs> here and I need to get back to training. Uh. And, that, and that was his immediate reaction when this court case was over. He was just – he immediately said, I want to hit something. That's the first thing he said. Also, emotionally, this trial must be so draining because I re-listened to the, the podcast yesterday and it felt clear to me that this was his way to unload this entire situation once and then never have to deal with it again. So to get sued and then have to wait three years for the actual trial and then do discovery and all the stuff that happens with a trial. Yeah. Like this probably was an emotional weight lifted from his shoulders where it's like I the thing I thought I was just going to like ramble into a microphone one day just so I can tell my story and be done became a three-year court battle. I, th I think you're spot on. Uh, th there was a lot of talk about when he was on the uh, the, the stand, he, he broke down in tears at one point. Mm. That, was over uh, that was over being asked about his mental state in 2014. Uh, many times he was asked about it, and it seemed like uh, 2014 is not a place he wants to go back to. I think mm. you're right. I think he, he unloaded on this podcast and thought there is, the, the past is the past, and now I can move forward. And this was very much trying to pull him back into the muck. So on one hand, he has this like drawn out thing. Now he has this moral victory, but and then this anger that he still might have, he can channel channel that into his fight. But on the other hand, he has the you know the post trial stress weighing on him. So it kind of has, I think, a factor of both mm -hmm. pros and cons. And I guess we're not going to know until he goes into yeah. this fight. It, how long was the whole thing? A week? It was a just week. about. Yeah. yeah, it was a business week. It was yeah. uh, Tuesday to Tuesday with a weekend break. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've there. At least it wasn't, you know, this big, long, drawn-out thing. But still, a week is a week. And yes. and in the middle of your training. And, and, mm. and you know, I, I'm, I was really impressed by, by the, you know, his attitude. And, and obviously, he just got, uh, just got out of court having, you know, you know, have the verdict in his favor. So you're going to be happy. But, but still, like, listening to him talk to you, Nick, uh, man, he sounded really good. And, and in a really good, you know, uh, place. Uh, mindset wise yeah and and i want to uh kind of just pull back the curtain a little bit like i actually like know cabana and punk uh, like i did mm. comedy with cabana like eight years ago for actually up until a couple years ago we were still doing shows together and uh punk would like come to shows and stuff so it's not like i was unfamiliar to these guys and uh i feel like uh that always helps in an interview when you're talking to somebody you know uh and i was very thankful that he they both Gave me the time to do that, considering the circumstances and everything, uh, especially since Punk. Uh, it was really weird. I was like, wow, you're talking to the, the wrestling press right after you did this trial, which was basically over an interview with wrestling press. What, great, what a great time. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, he, he seemed at peace. And I think the most telling part, and the other thing I wanted to bring up here was when I asked him, really the only reason I wouldn't cover this thing for a whole week or made sure we cover it is so I could, at the very end, get him on camera and ask him, are you all in, right? That's the wrestling <laughs> question people want to know, right? Yes. And so I got to ask it, right? Earned that opportunity. And he said no. Mm. And 
and it felt like a it felt like a genuine no to me. I I would say so. I feel yeah. I mean yeah. I know we chatted or texted a little bit about this the other day, Sean, about yeah. you know Punk getting back into wrestling. It's just I don't. I don't think he's I, – I don't know that he would. When he got on the stand, he introduced himself as a UFC fighter and freelance comic book writer. So mm. I, it, he doesn't even really mention being a wrestler at all. I, yeah, and I, I think it's just got a bad taste in his mouth where, you know, wrestling for all, you know, the the crazy ride it was for him, and I'm sure had a lot of highs. At the end of the day, it landed him in a big old headache. And, I, I, I mean, if you're happy off in another line of work and you, you don't see another situation like this happening in, in the new line of work – you know, I, I don't know why you would go back and, and give it another run. I, I really genuinely kind of felt like he's not going to come back to pro wrestling. Well, I, I, one reason would be so you can af- affect positive change. You can't affect positive change on an industry you love if you're no longer in it or if you remove yourself from it, Nick. That's an excellent point. But he has removed himself from it, and now we know the kind of notes WWE takes. And so if that mm. isn't even if that small thing is is addressed, it means that he has been able to change it from the outside. Now, I don't. I know that you don't. You're not like in the office and all this, and I know you hate questions like this. But what do you? What is the 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 vibe? Do you think WWE under under the right circumstances would bring him back? Yes. Okay. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think they'd bring anyone back under the right yes. circumstances. Yes. Exactly. Their business, Steve. their business first. Yes. What do you think would be the circumstances? I mean, would Punk would there have to be an apology, a handshake here, or do you think it would just be like From I'll do it to who? Money. Who like I mean I'm not sure who who's who you like when you asked me that like who did you picture apologizing to who? I mean I would think that a conversation with Hunter and Vince and you know the people that it sounds like he left on very bad terms with yeah. uh, would have to happen. Huh. I mean you would think right? I just don't see it happening. Just being honest with you, but that doesn't mean it won't. Doesn't mean it won't. Uh, I like I I can see like I really I truly. Um, and I said this when, when, when Punk first said he was done wrestling, he's never coming back. He will. Mm-hmm. He will eventually. Watch. I don't know, In man. Some form I... of fashion. Watch. Watch. Do you think even if it's not Would WWE? Like... Yes. Just like coming back oh, yeah, in general? No, for sure. Yes. I, I think yeah. he's done. I mean, even if it's 10 years from now, Nick, it's going to happen. I don't know, man. I, you know, I do. Yeah. There's, I never, could, there's could... never been one person, Nick. That has said that and not gone back on it. Not one. Name one. Shawn Michaels. No, it's going <laughs> to no, happen. No, he just said he'd come <laughs> yeah, back he for one more match. Yeah, he just saying that. And he's, in, and he's in wrestling. He's still involved in wrestling. Yep. True. I think CM Punk will take pride in being the one. And I think if he can maintain other industries, he can sustain himself financially Who to do it. Who wants to take a bet with me right now? I'll take it. All right. Ten years? Yeah, with, I, within ten years. With the, and and I, that's a really big window. Yeah, yeah, it is. And part of me thinks he may have been working me with the answer to, to That's, just kind of. Yeah. No, I'm not I, saying he's. I'm not saying he's. He doesn't mean it, Nick. What I'm because Shawn Michaels meant it when he said he'll never step foot in a ring again. Things change, wrestle. though. Things change. Circumstances I thought, change. I thought when he told you he wouldn't be all in, I didn't believe him entirely. I think he's waiting to see how the fight goes on Saturday mm-hmm. and then going to go from there. But in this podcast with Colt that they're in trial for on it when Colt asked him if he'd come back to wrestling he says yeah I'd love to wrestle the young bucks at PWG mm-hmm. so if anything's going to get him in a wrestling ring I think it's the all in situation I, I want to specify Being I don't think Chicago, he's coming back to the WWE ever again that's where I'm that's where I am I think okay. he might wrestle again yes yeah 
But I wanted I to ask you, Nick, knowing uh, your relationship with Colt and Punk prior to this, after this all happened, there were all these rumors that they were not friends anymore and they were on the outs. Can you give any levity to that? Is that true? Is that false? Uh, I mean, I, I don't I, I don't really pry about that, right? I don't really think they want to talk about it. Um, I definitely g- didn't get the vibe they're as close as they were. I'll say that, mm. you know, and uh, I think that the stress of the trial, right, when you and your friend are getting sued can cause some animus. Um, but throughout the trial, uh, I did notice that they were communicating more. Uh, there were more friendly moments. Uh, they certainly, you know, shook hands and I believe embraced. And don't quote me for gospel on that. At, mm-hmm. at the end, I know AJ for sure went over and gave Cabana a big hug. So if if there is uh, a rift, they didn't let the jury know. Um, and um, I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. It's it's. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened, but I do know that it doesn't look like they're as close as, as they once were. So I'll, that's all I can say. That's and, 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 this is some you know it, something like this would do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but yeah, especially because like everyone's that. wondering like why Cocabana was even thrown into this. You know, everyone's saying like mm-hmm. he didn't really have to. You know, they can see the attorney's side as to why they did, but he didn't necessarily have to be thrown into this. No, but he gave him the platform to say all this. But that's a- and then that's what made his podcast even huge. He broke the internet with this podcast. Well, and, basically, and- they were trying to argue that he knew that CM Punk was lying, and that he came onto his podcast to lie. But that's not something that they can actually prove. Well, yeah, and that's why uh, Colt's attorney was so hands off with a lot of the case. CM Punk's attorneys were ma- mainly pulled uh, the defense throughout the case simply because Colt was only there because to prove defamation, they have to prove distribution, and Colt was the distributor of said comments. And so that was literally the only, and I think that also weakened their case that they had to drag this guy into it. That's just like, look, I got a text from one of the, not only is me my friend, but he's at the time was one of the most famous wrestlers in the world who said, can I tell my story on your podcast? I mean, how, how is he supposed, friend or not, how's he supposed to say no to that? And and it wasn't just the idea that uh, he thought that, or knew that Punk was lying. The other uh, line they were using that it was reckless, Mm. reckless distribution of, Whatever, like he didn't edit it. He yeah. didn't corroborate any of Punk's stories. He just he just heard Punk's uh, monologue and delivered it. Yeah, he didn't he didn't cite his sources. He didn't go make sure that everything Punk said was on the level. So it was like not like he knew he was lying, but he was definitely recklessly throwing out words that he didn't know to necessarily be true. Uh, and, and to your point, like, as a podcaster, I'm happy that this went this went the other way because that yeah. that would have been disastrous. If any podcast ever can't just have a guest on and say whatever they feel like, say, tell whatever their story is. And then it's like, well, you disseminated false information. Well, I mean, okay, look, and I and I agree with you, Steve. But okay, at the same time, we can't just have any old person uh, coming on and recklessly just talking just ridiculous shit about somebody like so there Mm -hmm. has to be a line somewhere. And, and I, th- I think that you could pr- – I mean, and you said you couldn't prove if Cabana had known that Punk was going to come on and lie. But I, I think in this, co- in, this ca- in this court case, it was so transparent. I would think that you would see some kind of text messages or email exchanges like, oh, I can't believe you said that. That's a whale of a tale that's going to get Amon in a lot of trouble. Like yeah. mm-hmm. there, was, there was nothing like that. Whereas mm-hmm. like with Amon, you're trying to prove that this guy was like throwing out Z-Packs like candy, which was like one of the things he took offense to. And so 
here's a bunch of text messages where he's signing off using hashtag ZPAC, right? <laughs> Do you have a ZPAC? Where are you at? I mean, you know, there was a lot of uh, times that that came up, and it definitely looked like this was a guy who was easily facilitating these antibiotics around, and that, you know, there was no cause for his defamation suit, you know? So, I mean, yeah. if, you know, if you're going to make a claim, you know, there were ways to piece together those cases, and obviously, you know, Punk's team did a little mm -hmm. better job putting their putting their case together. Yeah, this is this doesn't mean that someone can go on a podcast and say whatever they want. Exactly. But it does make mm. it clear now that podcasts are not like, especially wrestling podcasts like the one Colt Cabana does, are not are for entertainment purposes. While there might be truth, there might be not. That is not that's up to the the listener. And uh, I think that's that they were trying to really establish wrestling podcasts as more editorial than strict uh, researched journalism. So that's a that's a a big win that doesn't it's not going to it's not gonna help anyone that wants to actually actively cost someone their job, right but on. it's going mm. to help people that are just trying to run a podcast. So um hey is there anything else that well, we did you have any interaction with Dr. Amon? Yeah, I mean I like I said I saw him in the hallway um and uh uh, I just said, you know, we've really been in enjoying the coverage. I think Ross is doing a great job. And he's like, oh, yeah, Ross, Ross is a nice guy. He was, was kind of quiet. The thing about Amon was like Punk and Cabana would come in. They'd sit down. They were jokey with their lawyers and stuff. Amon was very quiet. He even like when the first day when I was there, when he was on the witness stand, he walked into the, the courtroom and just immediately went on his island and sat at the witness stand and just didn't talk to anybody. So, I mean, he was just a very quiet guy. He was cordial enough. I, when the case was over, I was staying in there and. He went to leave, and as soon as he, as he left the courtroom, I go, could I please get a comment from you for the website? And he politely declined that invitation, and that was it. But, I mean, he wasn't a jerk about it or anything. No, it let all, all interaction, all accounts paint him on as a very good guy. Yeah, I think this was just, you know, I, and I almost wonder on his part if he got so deep into it that he felt like he had to go through with it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because, uh, you know, you get into a situation where you get all upset and you you, you, you want to make a stand and you get in there and you've got some good lawyers and you, you've spent a lot of money, so you got to see it through. But uh, it didn't – he did. I didn't feel a passion from yeah. Amon that, you know, again, if, you know, the case the, – the, the, the punk's lawyers kept bringing up, if you were so emotionally distraught, did you ever seek counseling? Did you ever go to therapy? And he's like, no. And it's like, well, you're obviously not that upset. Right, it didn't ruin your life. That doesn't it... prove a damn thing. A lot of people don't go and get, and get treated for their mental illnesses. That's why some lady just hung herself. Uh, Kate Spade. Yep. Jesus Christ, designer. that's a terrible. Uh, anyways, uh, hey, so oh, shit. Anyways, I had a question in my head, just like you, Nick. It's gone now. <laughs> um, so you know, I'm pretty sure I don't want to talk about this trial anymore, you guys. I think okay. we've talked we're enough about it. What What's next? Um, we were just talking about podcasts and something to wrestle with as a podcast. Something else to wrestle with is a video version of that podcast that's on the WWE Network, but not tonight. Tonight, this, tonight, this is Wednesday, they're citing creative differences and they're delaying that podcast or that video podcast on the WWE Network until Friday. The topic... The topic is going to be WWE's version of ECW, ECW on Sci-Fi. Conrad Thompson tweeted about two hours ago saying that he they're having creative differences. They want to make a bunch of edits. They're pushing it to Friday. Full disclosure, I do run the YouTube channel for Conrad Thompson. I do not have any inside information beyond that. But drama. <laughs> 
So yeah. can I? I'll say this uh, on that note, and I mean that's. I'm sure they'll get it figured out. I mean, I know Conrad loves doing that show. Um, but uh, while we were watching all the trial stuff play out, didn't it, Ross, make you kind of want a courtroom pro wrestling drama on the? <laughs> I was like, this this would be so much entertaining if like the loser has to go through the folding table over there or something <laughs> like that, you know? So we could take a, do wrestlers court on WWE Network. I'd watch yes! that. There you go. There's there's your in, Sean. I would love to see you in the jur- the judges' robes. That's mm. perfect. Since I invented wrestler's court. Did you? Good, I did, yes. <laughs> yeah, I did. What was the first trial? Billy Gunn. Hmm. For... Wait, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> okay. you, wow, I had no I thought you were I thought you were making that up. You really Absolutely invented wrestler's court? Yes. Oh. And you were going to try to unionize everybody for health insurance? You really are a rabble rouser. <laughs> No, I wasn't like, trying to like, unionize anyone. I just was thinking it might be a good idea if we had group medical so we could save a little money, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> I heard it's not tele- telephone, tele-wrestler. I heard uh, you're trying to unionize everybody. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sakes. Anyways, but, can leave that in. I don't even care, Mark. But whatever, whatever the edits to, to the proposed edits to tonight's episode are, Comrade's confident enough that he says they'll get an episode out by Friday. So whatever okay. it is, it's not like drop the whole thing bad. Hey, so I'm I'm wondering, I those guys really think that they were going to deal with WWE and not have their content uh, tinkered with? They and if you had leverage, use it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they did feel that way, and then they were very they were very shocked that their f words were censored and not and not bleeped, but censored. Yeah, that they were very shocked about that. The and also WWF, if you use the acronym WWF on yes. WWE Network, they censor that too. Here's the thing about about that about there. Okay, you ever you ever know like someone like no matter what you do, they got to tinker with it to put their little thing on it. Whether it's a recipe, they got to add something to the recipe, or mm-hmm. no matter how good it already is, that's WWE. They yeah, always got to just tinker with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. No matter how good it already is, so I and and so um, that being said, like if they see something like that, I can't see them not like okay. I think I think part of part of getting this show is that the narrative is what Bruce and Conrad talk about is so raw and real that WWE could never work with them. Right. So I think that was part of that was part of the narrative they WWE used by bringing them on. And I think we're starting to see like the dog, kind of, like the dog, kind of biting here, where it's like, yeah, because like my guess, and I, this is a, a pure guess, but my guess is whatever the edit they're asking for is probably has something to do with the time Bobby Lashley relinquished the title. It was at the same time of the Vince McMahon limo explosion. It was going to be CM Punk versus Chris Benoit in Texas, yep. and then it obviously didn't happen. Uh, okay. And then all of that, and then Vince McMahon's first public denouncement of. Chris Benoit was that following Tuesday episode of, of ECW on Sci-Fi. Like, if I had to hazard a guess as to what they they're pushing for edits on, that would be my guess. Once again, I am very close to this, but I do not have any inside information. And, and, and from WWE standpoint, that is totally understandable. Completely understandable. Yes. However, if they like, they were brought on to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. Correct. That's why I just didn't see it actually working out how they thought it was going to. <laughs> From Very the, true. From Jump Street. 
Well, well, and even without Benoit, just Bobby Lashley's ECW run in general, I got to believe they want to be very they want to be very careful with how that's portrayed mm. since he's an active part of the the main Raw storylines right now. Yeah. I also think it's good marketing that he's working everybody, making everybody think this episode so uncensored that, you know, you, yeah. you absolutely can't miss it because it caused a rift with him in WWE. But you we're know? totally going <laughs> to release it Friday, unedited. On, so, like, I do agree that there's a part of the showmanship we're probably feeding into because we're absolutely. within the first two hours I'm of the I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> sorry, call that out. There's a little bit of... P.T. Barnum going on here with this announcement as Why well. Why not? No. That's fair. We're like, it's still worth talking about because it was scheduled for tonight until hours ago. We could not bring it up. Let's talk about David Arquette versus the Human Tornado. David Arquette returning to wrestling. Have we confirmed that he's training with Peter Avalon? I mean, no. Nope. All right. Never mind. All I know is he's going to be a bloody mania at Gathering of the Juggalos, and that's where this match is going to happen. <laughs> hey, okay. Sense. I'm happy to see. I'm happy to see David Arquette. Um, getting back involved with wrestling. He was a guy, uh, look, at, at a time when celebrities didn't really want to have anything to do with wrestling, you know? I mean, he was an A-lister, but mm. he was still a pretty big star, and he was involved in wrestling, and 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 he loves it. And, and you know, um, so I'm happy to see him back a part of it, and it's Honestly, a really good fit for him and Human Tornado on that Bloody Mania mm. gathering of the Juggalo show. Yeah, Tornado's great. And, you know, I remember uh, that he went – this kind of started right. He did a training session with the progressive liberal, right? Was it that the first uh, – <laughs> Yeah, Daniel Richards, right? Yeah, Daniel Richards. Um, and then he I, – I watched the Wendy Williams show appearance. I don't know mm -hmm. if you, you watched his appearance on Wendy Williams or not. Um, but he debuted his new David Magic Man Arquette uh, persona, his new wrestling persona on there. Looks yeah. awesome. And, uh, yeah, he, he showed some tr other training photos. He's definitely been in the ring working out. What mm -hmm. do you think brought him back to the table here, Sean? I, I, I don't know. It would be just speculation. But I did see him at WrestleMania. Yeah, I saw him at the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor show too. Yeah. I was surprised he was just sitting there with the fans. Yeah, and he was at the after party after WrestleMania, and you know, and talked to him a little bit. And um, I just think that the uh, we're we're at the beginning of this new wrestling boom, and I think a lot of people want to be a part of it. Good. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a place for David Arquette in WWE? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but there's a huge uh, there's there's tons of wrestling besides WWE that that he would fit in nicely. He with. was he was in the crowd at a Lucha Underground show mm -hmm. not too long ago. I think in season three. So yeah, El Baracho something. It's like his he had a luchador. He was going to try to you know what uh, Baracho means the drunk, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I, I think he also mentioned I might be on that Wendy Williams show where he said that part of the reason he wants to come back is he feels. He feels like he's a joke in the wrestling community where that wasn't his goal. And I didn't even want to bring that up because, you know, obviously people, you know, with the WCW world title reign and all that, you know, I mean, it's it, it, it almost reminds me of this poor girl from the Star Wars movies that had that just Kelly. Yeah, she just uh, erased all her social media and everything because of her role in Star Wars that it wasn't even her fault. Mm -hmm. She didn't write the effing thing. You know, I, and and they run, and 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 she's being you know ridiculed and and all mm -hmm. this. And how's that her fault? And how's that? How, I I don't see how we 
Well, we and also still be giving David Arquette shit over being WCW. Mm-hmm. Easy for me to say, <laughs> world champion. Also, by all accounts, David Arquette was one of the most vocal proponents of not being WCW world champion. Right. He was like, I th- he was on record as saying, "I think this is a bad idea. I don't think people will respond to this how you feel they will." I, I was actually there the night he won the WCW championship. I was I'm from the Syracuse area. It's the first wrestling show I ever went to. I mean, it it wasn't. I don't know. It was WCW in 2000, so it didn't feel that ridiculous at the time. I was just there to like see a free show, and oh my god, David Arquette's the champion. All right, cool. I don't. I I, I agree with you. I think it's unfair that he's become uh uh he's become something of a of a meme or what whatever you want to call it. It's it's not. Yeah. It's it, not. It's not warranted. He donated uh, his uh his payday, I believe, to the uh, to Owen Hart's family among I others. I think it was yeah. Brian Pillman's widow. Brian Pillman's widow. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard to be a memorable world champion. There's some forgettable world title runs, right? Yes. But not, not David Arquette's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one will forever live. <laughs> and I mean, if nothing else, the buzz was caught, and it lives to this day. You know, I anytime I write his name on WrestleZone, I always make sure to include former WCW World Heavyweight Champion David Arquette. I give him the full title mm-hmm. every single time because, uh, you know. It always, I don't know, riles a couple people to see it always written out in black and white like that. He's great. He deserves oh. it. <laughs> hey, I think it's so, Denise, fantastic. Yes. Uh, tell us about, about Madison Square Garden, and, and uh, I think we're... Yeah, so there's actually so much going on right now in the Lucha world. It's absolutely insane. So, first of all, as you guys have heard, there is another comp- wrestling company that has booked a date in September at Madison Square Garden, which I know for all of us, it's like, what, Madison Square Garden? That's WWE's turf. That's WWE's place. But there are strong rumors. It's not completely confirmed yet that it is AAA, which is crazy because, as I said, there's so much craziness happening. So, as you guys know, AAA and CMLL, they're... You know, they're not necessarily... Exactly. <laughs> they're mortal enemies. They're not working together, which is crazy because they essentially... So at Triple Mania, August 25th, they're going to have Ali Park in a four-way mask versus mask match against Psycho Clown, El Hijo del Fantasma, and Pentagon Jr. But at the same time, CMLL has been pushing for a match, a hair versus mask match between uh, Ali Park and Rush. So you're thinking, like, what is Ali Park? He CMLL is actually letting them letting him be on both shows, which is insane. It's like essentially, I don't know, like if Vince lets somebody come out on Nitro when the Monday Night Wars were happening, it's it's insane. So people are wondering, what is going on here? Yeah. Are we going to be seeing them work together in the future since we know that's the new thing that a lot of companies are working gotcha. together? Well, let me just bring this up real quick uh, concerning Lucha Libre and, and, and that. And, and yeah, you're right. Like those names, like, you know, moving around from promotion to promotion seemed crazy. But it's not unprecedented. Mila Mascaris and, and a couple other guys, like Blue Demon Jr., Io Del Santo, were always able to go back and forth and work for whoever they wanted to because they had that, that big of a name established. Uh, so it's not completely unheard of. If a company really, uh, uh, really covets a particular person and that person, and that person wants to go do these things, sometimes it's better they just let them do it. Yeah. Kind of like the Jericho I, I could situation be wrong about with New that. Japan. But hey, you guys want to um, <laughs> weigh in on this? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. I, I think it's awesome that a venue like Madison Square Garden is getting some new new blood in it like that. you got to spice it up in the market. Yeah, and especially a promotion like uh, like AAA where you've got – right now I believe Jeff Jarrett is their world champion. Um, and so there's a lot of kind of seismic things happening oh, yeah. in, in AAA. It's interesting to see them kind of – planting this flag in the cradle yeah. of WWE's uh, uh, birth, really. I should I should point out that we did a write-up about Jeff Jarrett's AAA title win, mm. and I won't call out the contributor by name. <laughs> I can. You, well, it's fine. You can call out Dom. It's fine. No, I won't. Uh, I'm just saying, I, I, remember, I, I saw that, and I brought that to your attention. And I went to him, and I said, You've got the name wrong. He it was Dr. Wagner Jr. He had written Ray Wagner because Ray Mysterio was in the match. I guess he yeah. had a moment of dyslexia there. Uh, but I was like, you should know. Sean Waltman pointed this out to me. And if you ever wanted to get a wrestling news contributor in line quickly, you let them know that Sean Waltman has seen an error in their yep. work and they fix it very quickly. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he, he DM'd me a couple of times. <laughs> like three times, actually. Him. Of course he did. He's yeah. very professional. Anyways. Anyways, a lot of people are going, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> so anyways, look, I, a few years back, more than a few years back, it was minimum a quarter of a million dollars open doors at MSG. So regardless of, I mean, because you have union, all kinds of things that people wouldn't even begin to imagine if they never tried to run run a venue like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... and uh, so that was several years ago. I can't imagine what it costs to run that place now. They might, uh, being that WWE has kind of neglected MSG a little bit lately with you know running Barclays Center, understandably so. One of probably probably the nicest ar- arena in the world right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, MSG. I you know I could see them being a little miffed and and. Maybe even giving, uh, you know, like another company, uh, you know, a decent break price-wise to come in there, you know, because WWE had a hell of a hell of a deal with them. Well, and Madison Square Garden is still an older venue, right? It's yes. not like it, it, obviously you bring a Barclays nice to the world. Madison Square Garden for all the allure and the and the name value and the you know uh, property, the location of it. It's still an older venue. Do you think that this is the risk is worth the reward here? Do you think that this is smart that they're going in, or do you think that this, there's, I don't know, they're just doing it because they're they're doing it in Madison Square Garden to say they did it. Uh, both. I think okay. it's yes. I think it's just it's it's really good mm. to be able to say, hey, we're running Madison Square Garden. Look, the the building. You're right. The building hasn't changed in 25 years that I since I started going there. It's yeah. almost identical. Like that, I don't think there's even been any like any kind of re- renovations or anything like that. And it's still a great, great facility. It's an amazing venue. Uh, um, but yeah, it hasn't changed a lot. Um, I don't know. I guess that's the end of that story. <laughs> it's just it was worth talking about. That's for sure. It's exciting. So next up on my list is the Rock and Rebel. Yeah, man. Hey, look. Um, you know, people are, are um, you know, obviously people have heard about the, the murder-suicide in in, uh, in the Philadelphia area, Rock and Rebel. He was, his name's Chuck Williams. He was, um, he was, uh, you know, ECW, Reg- I, I don't know. Hmm. I knew the guy, uh, you know, just 
casually, and and it was always nice to me. But you guys, I don't go by, and I was telling mm-hmm. telling these guys this earlier. I don't go by, you know, a lot of people go, oh, I can only I can only judge him by how he was to me. Bullshit. I go by how I I watch how people treat others because. There's there's uh, ulterior motives for people treating me well sometimes, so I watch how they treat others, especially when they don't think I'm paying attention. And so, like, you know, um, man, I, I just I'm really so sad uh, by this because that that his wife, man. Um, let me just read something real quick. It hasn't been. You know, no one's really talking about this. And, you know, so, uh, an ECW original sent me this. He wasn't a good guy at all. Stephanie lived in fear for her life all the time. Chuck did time in jail in the 90s for holding her hostage in a closet with a gun to her head. His family talked her into not pressing charges. She would try to leave him, and he would always threaten to kill himself. The one time she tried to leave, he called her at her, at her mom's. He said he was going to kill himself. He lit a firecracker to make her think he shot himself. Just mental torture type shit. He was a bully and a piece of shit. That's why, anyways, I'm not going to finish the rest because that'll give away who this is. So, yeah, man, it seems like a lot of people failed this poor woman. And and now her she, there's two 10-year-old two kids that don't have a mom. And it's so fucking sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, how... How, he was a bully think... to people in the ring, too. Yeah, you but know, how he... does a guy like that maintain any status in the community where he's working? I mean, people if people look the other way, Nick. Yeah. If I if I detected there was a problem there, tons of other people had to have known way more than me that were around that around that scene a lot more than me. I picked up on it just from, you know, just from encounters with them. God damn, that pisses me the fuck off. Well, and I mean, it's awful to hear. And, you know, again, Mike, I keep going back to how is a guy like this who's so known as like this psycho? Like, how is he working? You know, I I'd like bit, to know the same thing. Yeah. How is if, if it's so known? Why are you booking this guy? Um, you know, it it makes me think about the, the time period we're living in now. Right. The current wrestling scene. And, you know, there are people that get upset. Well, it's too PC or your SJWs or whatever. Um I think we're just in a, a process right now where the tolerance the, for for people to turn a blind eye is no longer uh, as much there. I mean, do you agree with that statement where there's more weeding out of, of bad bad apples in pro wrestling? I hope so, and I think that I think that's true. I think yep. that's true. He was a he was a he was a holdout from the old days of guys like he was the guy that okay. He still had a doctor that prescribed gimmicks. Oh, you need some somas, you need this or that. Like it was just all the bad things about mm. like wrestlers, the the stereotypical bad things. He, he he had all of them. He 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 hit them all out of the park. If you listed them all. So, I mean, I know it's kind of like okay, the guy's not here no more, but like you know. And, well, and and I don't want to bash people, I guess, uh, on the the air or anything like that, but there's names, there's wrestlers where things come out about them and it becomes harder for them to get work. And, uh, I, it does make me, I'm, I'm very proud of the, the era of wrestling that we're very fortunate to be in right now. And I'm very proud of the fact I get to cover this era. 
of pro wrestling right now. I think the quality of the human beings, and not to say that there were a bunch of bad guys a couple decades ago in the business, but I think that the the character of the wrestlers, the, the people in the business now, I think they just hold themselves to a higher standard and they have less tolerance for these types of individuals. And, yeah. and it, I think about that woman as, as well. And, you know, the cries for help and, and everything. It's sad that it was then. I, I don't know that that would have happened had it been today, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think the unfortunate part, too, is that, you know, when this did happen to her at a start, that her family told her not to press charges. And I know this is his, t- his family. Excuse me. And this it's, is just all hearsay. We don't mm-hmm. even know. Yeah. Like, well, either way, it's just sad to not have, I guess, some sort of support. And then also because sometimes when you're in an abusive relationship, you start to see things differently. You don't see things anymore like the way they should be. So she's not standing up for herself. And then she feels responsible for, for this person. Oh, my God, if he kills himself, it's going to be on me. But what people don't realize is that, yeah, people get mad. And some people think people will get mad, it'll blow over, nothing else will happen. But they don't know that sometimes things can happen. I don't think we automatically jump to the conclusion that he can kill somebody, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, That's very sad. Yeah, and I hate to end the the show on on such a shitty note. Is there anything... I got a positive note. Please. I got a positive note. Sean, I know I texted you about this. I I am taking care of my mental health. I went to my therapist this morning, and my therapist helped convince me that Liz and I should get a dog. Uh, Is your therapist named Sean Waltman? (laughs) (laughs) My therapist is not you, Sean. Uh, Because I'm pretty sure I told you the same thing. I know, I know. I should have just saved the 100 bucks or whatever. No, it was a good idea to go get a second opinion. Don't want to listen to people like me. Uh, we're going, actually, as soon as this is done here, Ross is going to go back home, and then Liz and I are going to pause PAWS here in Chicago. And yes. We're going to go get ourselves a dog here. Adopt. This Do not shop. No, we are adopting or a dog. Or I'm coming for you, Nick. <laughs> if you do Look. not adopt, I will come for you. Look, we're going to do the right thing. I'm going to have adorable dog photos going out on my social media accounts now. you got to bring Lulu to awesome. Chicago. Or Lula, not Lulu, sorry. Um, Lula to Chicago, and uh, we'll have a little dog day in the park. She's coming. She's actually coming <laughs> to Chicago for All In, and she's coming for uh, something I have coming up before that. Well, there you go. Wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, Positive. Hey, so is there anything, any, any last things that uh, we should talk about before we get going here? I hope so. I hope no one says yes. Because <laughs> I want to get that out of here. <laughs> I think everyone. What's that? Uh, I'll say on WrestleZone, we've been rolling out uh, more editorial content to layer on top of our news. We have some new voices in the room uh, for you to agree with or, or disagree with. Uh, but I thought there was an interesting piece. One of our contributors, Anthony Mango, uh, has been getting some buzz today put up. Uh, kind of just looking at the differences between the Raw and the SmackDown tag team divisions. Mm-hmm. And he feels that the Raw tag division has become kind of a comedy collective where the SmackDown tag division is more with the real tag t- tag team wrestlers are at. It was an interesting look. He did a great job at the piece. Uh, I highly recommend you guys go reading it and, and chopping it up. Is, in the, in the- is, it, is it like is it saying one's good and one's not? Or is it just saying this is how it is? Well, he he does seem to think that the raw side being too jokey kind of you know makes that those titles feel maybe a little less important than the SmackDown titles where gotcha. you have teams that are taken more legitimately. Sure, mm-hmm. understandable that he feels that way. Yeah, there you go. Go so. sound off in the comment section. I love I it. I think I know? will. <laughs> hey, the comment section in WrestleZone is a really bad place to be. It's a, 
It's Come a wild. On. Stay, yeah, it's a wild place. <laughs> Honestly, I don't read them. I have Bill Pritchard who works for me. He reads the comment section. He's the sheriff there. I don't read them. If I read the comment section at WrestleZone <laughs> all day long, I I don't know. I Good think policy, would- Nick. <laughs> Trust me. Don't do it, man. Anyways, hey hey, I just want to thank you both, man, for taking time out and uh, and you know showing being in the same room for me, so we don't have to you know. Skype both you guys in separately. I appreciate that, and 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 thank you for your amazing insight on on the uh, Punk Cabana trial. Uh, tremendous work on that, you guys. And and Nick, thank you for being a good friend and uh, for being so so supportive of me and the show. Appreciate that, you guys. Our pleasure. Thank you very much, Sean. I'm at WZ Rebel on Twitter. Before we're done, thanks for having us uh, again. Thanks for the kind words at Ross W Berman IV on Twitter. All right, see you guys. Thank you. Hey, Thank you. Hey, so um, I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a good show. This was fun. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, anyways, hey, Jimbo, do you have anything you want to well, I know mention? you're going to be at Potsdam or, yeah, Potsdam Comic Con in New York, August 18th and 19th. Tickets and info at Facebook.com slash Potsdam Comic Con. And I do have a show coming up in Des Moines on, on the 23rd that we'll talk about next week. Awesome. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, at the real Xbox, Facebook Xbox One Two Three Sixty Show. Buy the shirts at ProWrestlingTees dot com slash Sean Waldman. I called Des Moines Des Moines just now. We what let a it dumbass. happen. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Denise. Where can we find you? You guys can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. Come talk to me. I'm always tweeting and trying to tweet a little bit more, actually. And Stephen, I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K A U F M A N N. Do I got heat for calling you Steven? No. All right. Hey, and you can find me at The Real X Pac. And I, what? Real X Pac on Instagram? X Pac 12360 show? Did you already say all that? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll see you here. We'll see you right here next week on X Pac 12360, Westwood One, and Jericho Network, and After Buzz TV. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Mark B. Donica, Jimbo Frank, Christy Olson, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow Xbox on Twitter at The Real Xbox and email us at xbox12360show at gmail.com. The Westwood One Podcast Network.